You can be seated uh, this morning. Thank you, worship team, for leading us. You guys are great. Thank you for entering in with us. Um, man, what a, a great week we had uh, at District Council. Thank you for those of you that uh, prayed for us, prayed for uh, our pastors and our ministers as we gathered together out in Rapid City and uh, did some of the business. And uh, it's just so good to worship together with other pastors from across our state. Uh, it was very refreshing. And uh, the Lord spoke so many uh, things to me. I found a little coffee shop downtown. Um, it was actually a Starbucks, and it was beautiful. And uh, it was in walking distance of the hotel, and so it was like um, heaven opened up, and there it was. But uh, the Lord spoke so many things to me personally, did so much work in my life, um, and uh, just so grateful for the ways that God continues to work in our lives and just His faithfulness. And so uh, just thank you for those of you that have prayed with us. Uh, a couple of announcements before we jump into uh, the sermon for today. Uh, just a reminder to you, if you want to connect with us, there is a connect card that you can fill out either on the table in the lobby when you leave today, or there's an online version that you can scan if you're watching online. There's a link on there as well for you. Uh, you can share any updates you have to maybe birthdays or anniversaries that get missed or misprinted. Uh, you can ask questions. You can use that form to share information with us or prayer concerns or ways God has answered your prayers. And uh, if you want to connect with us, please use that card to do that. And we'll make sure that we get in touch with you or we will hope to get in touch with you this week. And so please utilize those tonight at six o'clock house of prayer at the downtown location. We encourage you to join us for that. Our empowered youth will meet again this week on Wednesday night at seven and connection point. Watch your text messages. We'll let you know where that's going to be held. And then uh, this kids camp, teens camp, you can continue to register for those. Uh, the prices have gone up now. It's the regular registration cost. Uh, early registration has passed, but kids camp June 13th through the 16th. Now the cost is $210. Please don't be let cost be a factor. Uh, we do have scholarship money for those that uh, maybe want to go to camp but maybe can't afford the full price. Please come and talk to me. And uh, we will help get you registered for that. Teen camp, June 27th through July 1st. Cost of that is $240. Um, again, May 19th is the deadline for regular registration. After that, the prices will go up again for late registration. So if you are interested in camp, please make sure you get signed up for that. And young adults, for those of you that are 18 to 30, uh, that's what our district considers young adult. There is the first ever young adult retreat out at um, Black Hills Retreat Center, June 3rd through the 5th. It's not for, uh, you, you can be single, you can be married, doesn't matter. You just have to fall in the 18 to 30 age group. Um, there is no child care, so if you are married and have some youngins, they are not able to come with you for that. This is just for uh, you and your spouse or for you. Um, the registration is $125 till tomorrow till tomorrow. So after that, the cost goes up uh, to 155. So if you're interested at all, young adults, I encourage you to sign up for that first ever. We're excited about that. A um, lot of information out on the table in the lobby. Please make sure that you stop out there um, before you leave the service today. There is uh, a lot of information out there for you. There is something called lasagna love. There's some flyers out there that you can stop by. There is a group that is putting together um, meals for people in our community that uh, find themselves in need, whether that be for um, financially or for surgery or for whatever 
reason. And so they're looking for volunteers. There's one flyer for volunteers. If you are interested in making lasagnas for them to help store them for people that are in need at different times, um, there are flyers for you for that. And then if you are in finding yourself in need or you know of someone that's in need, there's flyers for that, for how you can connect with this group. And so they sent us those flyers. We put those out on the table. A lot of ways that you can serve, help in our community and uh, also here in our church body and so please make sure you stop by the table in the back before you leave today um, in the back you will find the book the life you've always wanted this is the series that we've been in and uh, we have been walking through this since october talking about the different spiritual disciplines that we have available to us and how we can use them to live out the life that god has always intended for humans to live here on the earth and so we talked about the practice of celebration, the practice of slowing, the practice of prayer, the practice of servanthood, the practice of confession. And then we just, through the month of April, walked through what we called the guided life and how we walk keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. And uh, walking with the Holy Spirit is supernatural and it's practical. Uh, one of the things that we talked about last week is how it takes as much faith and power of the Holy Spirit to help carry someone's burden as it does to help eliminate their burden. So a lot of times we look at the power of the Holy Spirit for the sake of deliverance and healing in this moment, but the power of the Holy Spirit is given to us also to walk with people through life, to help carry their mat, if you will. And so there is uh, a lot of stuff we talked about through the month of April, and I'd encourage you to continue to use the book, the study guide, the, re the resources that uh, we made available last week or last month for the, the Holy Spirit. But we're moving on today to chapter 10. This is one of my favorite chapters, and uh, for me, this is the worth the price of the book right here. It's called The Practice of Secrecy, The Practice of Secrecy, and um, I entitled today's message Celebrating May Day. I didn't know if you know this, but today's May Day, May 1st. Um, some of you have no idea what May Day is, but May Day, uh, I did not know what May Day was until I moved to South Dakota. Um, was a brand new concept for me. And so if I get this wrong, please bear with me. This is my outsider view of what May Day is or was. But for May Day, you would put together a basket of goodies or treats for your neighbors, and you would take it and you'd put it on their doorstep or hang it on their door, and you would knock and run away. And so you would anonymously leave a May Day basket full of good stuff for your neighbors, for your friends, for people. And that's what May Day is. And so we are going to bring May Day back all month long. And I'm going to explain that later on. We're going to start um, first because with something else. And then we're going to wind up coming back to May Day and talking about how we can do this all month long. But the chapter title in the book is actually called a life of freedom, a life of freedom. And John is talking about overcoming one of the most serious addictions in our world. And this has nothing to do with chemical dependency or substance abuse. There is no 12-step program that can help us battle this. But this is one of the most serious addictions that we will ever face. And it is the approval addiction. The approval addiction. It's living in bondage to what other people think of us. And this takes a lot of forms in our lives. This is about how we want to appear to other people. And so there are people that will boldly proclaim, I don't care what other people think about me. And yet they're still approval addicts. So just because we say something doesn't mean it's true. 
some of us care very deeply and we latch on to what we think other people think of us and it actually keeps us from walking in the power of the kingdom a life of freedom it's the reason that so many of us respond to criticism in negative ways John gives us a lot of different examples in the book and some of them I'll share with you um, if we find ourselves often getting hurt by what other people say about us or when people express less than glowing opinions about us, we probably have approval addiction. If we habitually compare ourselves with other people, if we find ourselves getting competitive in the most ordinary situations, we probably have approval addiction. If we live with a nagging sense that we aren't important enough or special enough, if we get envious of other people's excess successes, we probably battle approval addiction. It shows up when we feel passed over for a promotion, especially when we're far more qualified than the person that got the promotion. We try to impress important people, or we try to one-up someone's story with a better example of our own. If we live constantly wondering what others are thinking of us. Like other addicts, approval addicts will go to great lengths to get a fix when we feel desperate. And like other addicts, we find that no fix lasts forever. And so we keep coming back for more. Author Henry Nowen puts the problem in perspective this way. He says, at issue here is the question, to whom do I belong? To God or to the world? Many of my daily preoccupations suggest that I belong more to the world than to God. A little criticism makes me angry. A little rejection makes me depressed. A little praise raises my spirits. And a little success excites me. Often, I am like a small boat on the ocean, completely at the mercy of its waves. Overcoming approval addiction starts in the prayer that the Apostle Paul prays in Ephesians chapter 3. In this chapter, he talks about being rooted and grounded in God's love. Listen to the, the words of his prayer starting in verse 17. He says, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong, secure. I pray that you would have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. How do we get to the place where we are made complete with all the fullness in life of life and power that comes from God? By experiencing over and over again the love of Christ. The alternative to this approval addiction is, as John describes it, the life you've always wanted, a life of freedom. And it's a freedom that only comes from God. It comes from being rooted and grounded in His love, by continuously experiencing that love. And that is not an emotion, it is not a feeling. His love is a powerful force that was demonstrated when Christ gave His life for us, even when we were His enemies. And when His love fills us, 
it seals us, it identifies us, it grounds us. And our mistakes or the opinions of others no longer sway us to the right or to the left. We become established in Him and who He declares us to be in Christ Jesus. Lewis Smead says, One of the fine arts of gracious living is the art of living freely with our critics. When we have the grace to be free in the presence of those who judge our lives and evaluate our actions, we have Christian freedom. Living free in the midst of your critics. Not trying to silence them, not trying to prove them wrong, but living free because you hear another voice declaring over you who you are. And you don't need others to declare who you are because it's so rooted in, inside of us. That's how we overcome approval addiction. The Apostle Paul describes it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Starting in verse 3, he says, As for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. It is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. I want you to notice the Apostle Paul does not say what people think of us doesn't matter at all. It's nothing. He doesn't say that. It still matters to Paul what people think of him. The difference is it no longer sways him. Criticism does not rock his boat. His balance, his sense of well-being is not based upon what other people are saying or even what he thinks other people are saying or what he thinks himself. It is the Lord who judges me, he says. Now, don't get me wrong, because Proverbs chapter 27, verse 6, tells us that faithful are the wounds of a friend. You and I need people in our lives who are willing to step up and correct us when we need correction, who will be willing to step up and point out things that you and I have become blind to because we spend so much time with ourselves that we don't see them. We need those things, and we need those people. We actually need to learn how to receive correction from anyone. I don't care whether the person does it correctly or not. The Holy Spirit can use any level of correction. Not everything those people say will be true, but we can mine out the things that he needs us to hear, and we can repent, and we can turn, and we can correct, and we can be changed, but we won't be defined by it because we're defined by what our Father speaks over us. In fact, we're only defined by what we allow to define us. We cannot give the opinions of others that type of sway over our lives. Being addicted to approval is not the same thing as appreciating praise. Praise is important. Affirmation is important. Encouragement is important. Those are good things. In fact, in the book, John tells us this. He says, what a sad world it would be if artists were never applauded. If home runs were never cheered, if children received no expressions of wonder and amazement at their first steps, if authors received no encouraging notes, we need praise and encouragement. The problem lies in the tendency to confuse our performance with our worth. Our performance never determines our value or our worth. We can accept criticism because it'll help change our behavior. 
It'll help change our performance. But it doesn't define who we are. The result of approval addiction is that we seek approval from people and it can never satisfy us. Our approval has to be rooted in God. Now, I've watched over my life people who deflect praise and refuse to have praise. There was a man in our church growing up that would get up and he would sing a special and he never wanted people to clap for him at the end of the special because then it would deflect the praise from God. And I'm not going to be his judge. And uh, I just remember he, if people would clap, he would put his hand up and stop them. And then he got really wise. And he always sang old hymns. That's the only specials he ever sang. And so he got really wise. He would get people to join him on the chorus, and then he would just walk off the stage. And so it was like, he just didn't want the praise. You can receive praise from people and just say thank you. And you can thank, because they're noticing. I mean, we all know it's not you and it's not me. It's God in us. Thank you for noticing. Thank you for noticing, because I've been trying to let him show through more. I mean, it's okay to receive encouragement and praise from other people. In fact, we need to get better at giving it. And so if we deflect it, people won't give it. And so we have to be able to receive it. That's not the point. We have to make sure when we receive it, we keep our hearts in check. That's what Paul says in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, when he says, am I now seeking human approval or God's approval? Am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And I've seen this taken to an extreme where people are just rude and they're dismissive of other people's opinions or feelings and they just walk over people and they say Jesus offended people and that's not the gospel. We have to make sure that we pay attention to what's happening in, in, internally within us. How that praise or that criticism is affecting our hearts. When Jesus spoke, he was free from needing to create an impression. He was free to speak the truth in love. I love the way that the contemporary English version words John chapter 2, verse 24 and 25. It says, Jesus knew what was in their hearts, and he would not let them have power over him. No, he had to tell him, no one had to tell him what people were like. He already knew. He would not let their opinions of him hold power over him. He listened for one voice and one voice only. And if you listen for that voice, you will care about what that voice cares about, and that is people. And so you will not be dismissive or rude of others. You will actually treat them better because you're hearing the voice. And you know what the voice has said about you, and you know what the voice is saying about them. And you won't take the criticism personally and let it define you. You'll be free. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23, it says it this way. When they hurled their insults at him, still speaking about Jesus, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Do we trust him enough? I know that as good Christian folk here on Sunday morning, we would all say, yeah, we trust him. But I hope that this month we figure out and we see 
all of the ways that we don't. Because I guarantee you, everyone that's listening to my voice today, including myself, says we trust Him. And yet in our day, there are ways that we're responding or living that prove we don't trust Him fully. And he, that's not a, to sh- put shame or condemnation on us. That's to get us so we can be free from this approval addiction. Our self-esteem and our worth cannot be wrapped up in the opinions of other people. They weren't for Jesus. And he was our example. And his death and his resurrection empower us to live just like he did. The problem is many of us walk around with what John in the chapter refers to as a mental jury box. And inside that mental jury box is a list of or a a group of judges that we assume are judging our lives the same way that judges will judge an Olympic skater. And in that jury box are probably our parents and maybe some school teachers and maybe members of our peer group and our boss and our co-workers and our neighbors and other people in our profession. And all of a sudden, the jury box becomes very crowded. The irony of it all is... (laughs) What we're thinking people are saying about us isn't actually what people are saying about us. It's only what we think they're saying about us. It's been said that in our 20s, we live to please other people. When we're in our 30s, we get tired of trying to please other people, and instead we get miffed at them for making us worry about it. In our 40s, we realize nobody was thinking about us anyway. Isn't it the truth? Unfortunately, you and I can tell ourselves that, and it won't matter. We can tell ourselves not to think these thoughts, but unless we replace it with His voice, being rooted and grounded in what He says, approval addiction always finds a way to creep back in. And that voice reminds us, it is the Lord who judges us. And that voice also says this. I love this quote from John. Man, this thing just lit me up this week. The voice also whispers this. Do not despise your place, your gifts, or your voice. For you cannot have another's, and it would not fulfill you if you could. Oh, that that would get so deep in our hearts today. You and I are not just passive victims of other people's opinions. We can keep those praises, those criticisms from holding power over us the same way that Jesus did. In fact, I can promise you this. You can accomplish extraordinary things and still feel like a failure. It doesn't satisfy. I think of the scene from Cool Runnings. You know, the really great movie about the Jamaican bobsled team. And the guy's trying to do everything he can to win a gold medal. Oh, if I could just win that gold medal. And he's being coached by someone who cheated to try to win a gold medal. And he offers advice to this young athlete and says, let me tell you this. If you're not enough without it, you'll never be enough with it whatever it is we think we need that promotion that accolade that award that job that raise 
that relationship, if we're not enough hearing his voice, we won't be enough with it. We have got to be rooted in that. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 simply says, we take every thought captive to obey Christ. And that includes refusing to allow other people's approval or disapproval dominate our lives. You and I have to learn to receive praise gracefully from others without becoming an addict. And that requires a well-ordered heart. And John gives us a few ways that we can maybe check those things. It's, it's impossible to fully know how our hearts are doing. The Lord really has to expose that in us. But he gives us three things that he, he really outlines in the chapter, and I'll mention them today, but I won't go into them in great detail. One is comparison. When we measure our accomplishments against others or our relationships or our children, moms, dads, someone else's kids, better or worse than our own, like those comparisons, that's approval addiction. The deceptions, when we can't just accept responsibility, when we can't admit we made a mistake, when it's always someone else's fault, when there's always an excuse, when there's always a reason for why I was late, rather than just owning up to it and saying, I apologize, it was my mistake. Otherwise, that deception can be a sign of approval addiction. Resentment is another one. Oddly enough, we can end up resenting the very people whose praise we're trying to attract. That's what approval addiction does to us. And one of the most helpful ways for us to break the power of approval addiction is the practice of secrecy. Jesus talked about, in Matthew chapter 6, doing our good deeds and making sure people don't find out about them. And he talks about fasting, and he talks about praying, and he talks about giving money. And we're just going to look at giving today. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 2, it says, So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do, in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So in essence, Jesus is saying, when you give, don't hire a marching band. Don't buy a billboard and make sure everybody notices it. Of course, there are not many people when I stand in the back sometimes and I've never heard trumpets sounding as people walk up to the offering baskets or when people pull up their phones and they give online. I don't hear that sound. And so it's easy for us to obey this in a literal sense. But what Jesus is going after is not the literal. He's going after the idea that you and I are prone to try to impress others. And so we won't hire a marching band, but we toot our own horns all the time. Jesus' point is that spiritual maturity is that we don't need to congratulate ourselves every time we get something right. It's understanding that it is better to give than to receive, and it no longer looks extraordinary to give. It just begins to look normal. When Jesus told us to do this in secret, I know a lot of times people are like, no one else can know what I gave, or no one else can ever know what I do, or uh, Jesus is not laying down this law that we always have to do these things in secret. What Jesus is telling us is that we need to go after the root in our heart of approval addiction. Jesus himself prayed in front of his disciples. So if Jesus was telling us, always pray in the closet, always pray in secret, uh, Jesus broke his own law. 
So we know that he's going after the need to impress and not just what's in our hearts. In fact, David goes on to tell all of the ways that he gave to the temple in, in order to inspire the other Israelites at that time to give offerings to the temple as well. The Apostle Paul takes the giving of the Macedonian church and he tells about that to the Corinthian church to inspire and challenge them to do that same thing. And so Jesus isn't telling us to never do it, but he's telling us if we're battling this idea of approval addiction, this is one of the ways to go after it. By doing things in secret so that only our father who sees in secret can reward us. Jesus is giving us advice because he wants to break out in our lives in a way that's being hindered because of approval addiction. I think this sidetracks more of us than we realize. I believe God has things in store, blessings, promotions in the kingdom for believers that they don't, we don't have the character to carry them yet because we rely so much on the opinions of others to motivate us or to guide us or to help us. And we're not hearing his voice to the point that he can't take us into that new place that he has for us. Beware, Jesus says, of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them. That's what we're going after. So the practice of secrecy is this in a nutshell. Every once in a while, do something good and try to make sure nobody finds out about it. I love that John calls this the club for re recovering approval addicts known as Righteous Anonymous. <laughs> That's what we're going to join. This is where we give up trying to control what other people think of us. We give up trying to convince people that our motives are pure or that our accomplishments are impressive or that our life is in better shape than it seems. Where we get to just be us and we get to resign from impression management. We see this all the time in little clarifying statements and you, you'll notice them as we go through this month. The student who says, well, I didn't really study for this test anyway because they're afraid that they're not going to get a good grade and they're going to appear stupid before their peers. So it's easier just to deflect and say, I didn't really study for this test. Or as we talk about, hey, man, I was watching TV last night and I saw this. I mean, not that I watch a lot of TV. I mean, we offer these little clarifying statements all the time because we're, uh, we're afraid what others might think of us. And if we actually begin to listen for these comments, we're going to find that our society is filled with approval addicts, and many of us are one of them. So, the practice of good deeds, May Day, May Month, if you will. He gives us a couple of examples in the chapter and some examples that I'm going to share with you real quick here, because the, the opportunity for this is everywhere, but here's, here's a few. Here's one. Pick someone in your life and immerse that person in prayer, and don't tell anyone. Number two, make a lavish donation to an organization, or send a sacrificial gift to a person in need, and keep it anonymous. Or this one, do something kind and thoughtful each day for someone, and keep it anonymous. Now, let me just say this part to all of us. 
As we start practicing it through the month, I hope that you will find other people in our body to do these anonymous things for. Don't try to figure out who did it. And if you figure it out, let it stay anonymous. Okay, this isn't who's the, the best detective among us. Okay, let people do it anonymously. And some people are going to be better at it than others. Okay, let them do it anonymously. Here's some more. Mow your neighbor's lawn. You might actually get to do that now. <laughs> Commit random acts of kindness. Here's a good one for some of us. Listen to a story that someone else is telling and ask them questions about it. And don't share your own story. Resist that urge. Don't try to one-up the conversation. Just show interest in that other person. Here's one. Don't correct everyone every chance you get. Just let something go. Don't try to get the last word. Go an entire month and just say, today, I am not going to get the last word. I'm going to let someone else have it, even if they're wrong. Because they will be. Look for ways to influence others. Look for ways to serve. In fact, try to influence people around you in a way that they actually surpass you. I found myself asking this question as I was reading this chapter this week. What if you mentored someone at work and you actually influenced them or sewed into them or encouraged them so well that they actually got a promotion that you yourself wanted? Do you trust God to be your reward and to do something better in your life than that promotion could? That's the type of influence you and I need to have in the lives of the people around us. So much so that they surpass us. To let our rewards come from our Father in heaven. Now I know when we read this that we think, of course, Jesus is talking about when we get to heaven, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And I totally think that that's probably a part of this. But I don't think that's all of it. I think there are ways that the Father wants to reward us now here on earth that are a part of this, but that get lost when we worry about trying to impress others or trying to manipulate situations to earn things for ourselves. When we do our acts of servanthood in order to impress people, it actually keeps us from a ways that God wants to bless us. Now, remember that kingdom rewards a lot of times are responsibility, <laughs> Okay, so you get rewarded by getting more responsibility. If you look at the story of the parable of the talents and the minas, remember the guys that did well, what did they get? They got more, more responsibility. If you're faithful with little, what do you get? More responsibility. And when God knows that he can trust you because you're hearing him so well that you're secure in what he says about you and you don't need other people around you to motivate you, you don't need other people around you to, 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 to propel you forward, you can actually serve and trust that he's got your back, that he knows where you are, that he is faithful, and that he is going to do that in your life. When we get to that place, that's a place of open heaven, I think. And that's the place that I hope we get to. 
where we learn to entrust ourselves to the one who never misses a thing. Now, I get it. Jesus said, let your light shine before others so they see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I do. I get that. All about that. But right now, we're talking about breaking approval addiction. And maybe you're like, well, I don't even know if I have it. Well, here is one sure way to find out. Start doing it in secret. And just see what begins to happen. Start listening for those clarifying statements as you go through. Start asking yourself when somebody criticizes you and you begin to think of ten reasons why they're wrong and you're going to defend yourself, just stop. Say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to get from that? What did I need to hear? Don't hear all of it. Okay, because, I mean, we're all people and we're flawed. And, and even the person with the best of intentions is not going to correct you well. Okay? But you can hear the voice within the voice. And that's what you and I need to hear. Proverbs, one last verse, Proverbs eleven twenty five. A generous person will prosper, and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. It starts by us being rooted in Him. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but even celebrities in our days, um, they love to do good things for other people. If you've ever watched um, The Ellen Show or Oprah, I mean, they love to bless people uh, there. And you just you feel good when you see other people get blessed. I mean, there is a we're created in the image of God. I mean, that is good. And there is a good feeling that comes from blessing other people. There really is. But we have to be careful that won't sustain us. It's not about getting the good feeling. It's about hearing his voice and knowing what he has done for us and what he says about us, and then just turning around and doing it for someone else. Letting it flow in and flow out. We cannot get caught up in the feeling of the moment or in the approval addiction, if you will. We've got to make sure that we break it off. It has to come from learning to hear his voice. That's the first step. That's the first step. So before we go out from this room and we start celebrating May Day and doing all these good things for other people, we need to get anchored in hearing His voice. And you need to do this every morning. Every single morning. If the, if the only time you have is in the shower or on the way to work, say, Holy Spirit, I just need to hear you say it over me. Son, daughter, you're my judge. I mean, here... You're going to make so many mistakes today, but just, Holy Spirit, I need in my mistakes, I need to hear what you're saying. I need to hear what you're speaking. We need to get rooted and grounded in that. So I want you to do something with me. I want you to just bow your heads. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to just take a moment, if you will. I always ask that we put our, our, our hands out in a receiving posture. And I just, I wish, I wish, oh, with all my might, that in this moment, I could just pray the right prayer over you to just root this in you. I can't. I can't. I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to try to clear out some mental jury boxes today. In fact, I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to ask him to clear out some mental jury boxes today. But this is just the start. Every day. 
we need to get rooted and grounded in what he says over us. And then we need to start battling the approval addiction in our lives. A lot of different examples I gave, a lot of different examples in the chapter. The Holy Spirit is going to bring examples to your mind that John and I didn't even think about. Let him lead you through this month. And so, Holy Spirit, we need your help. We admit today that we are far too easily swayed by the praises of others and by the criticism of others. Sometimes the loudest critical voice is just the one in our own heads. Holy Spirit, I just ask today that you'd move across this room, that you'd move across the hearts and the minds of those that are watching online, and that you just begin to clear out mental jury boxes today. All of those critical words that have been spoken. God, even the praises and the accolades that we've received over our lives, and that today we would be a clean slate. That you'd unstop the ears that just can't hear what you're saying. That you would root and ground our hearts and minds in your love today. That it would be experienced now in a fuller way. God, that makes us more mature, more complete than we've been before. That enables us to do good things in secret, knowing that you see it all and that you are our exceeding great reward. We don't have to fight for position. We don't have to fight for promotion. We don't have to fight for ourselves because you are always fighting for us. I ask, Holy Spirit, over this month that you would break off the chains of approval addiction in our lives. That you'd expose everywhere it exists in our hearts and in our minds. That you'd break it fully and that you would so root and ground us in our identity in you. God, do a deep work over these next 30 days in each and every one of our lives. Transform us. And help us to be a part of the transformation in the lives of others. Holy Spirit, highlight people in our workplace. Highlight people in our neighborhood. Highlight people in this church body that need us to pray for them this month. That need us to, to just... Bless them in some anonymous way this month. God, to be the, 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 the encouragement that they need. Holy Spirit, guide us. Help us. Encourage us. And empower us this month, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to say one last thing. There, there are things in our lives that all of us think we need. Um, 
You know, oh, I just wish someone would encourage me. I, I don't know if you've ever been in a service where, like, the, someone's given prophetic words to everybody, and you're like, oh, if I could just get a prophetic word, or oh, if I could just get a, a note of encouragement. Whatever it is that you need, in fact, for some of you, me just saying that, um, like all kinds of wound and emotions there, if there's something like that in your life, do that for someone else. Do that for someone else. There is... <laughs> There is something kingdom about sowing into someone else what you yourself want and aren't getting. Pray for someone else's healing. Not to get your own. Encourage someone else. Not to get, because it's going to break. Healing is not going to give us what we need. Promotions are not going to give us what we need. We need to be rooted and grounded in Him. And sometimes what we think we need actually keeps us from hearing him. And so when we start sowing into the life of someone else, it's going to do a breaking in our lives that's going to help us hear better. And so I just felt like I needed to, to say that. I'm sure it was in my notes somewhere and just passed over it. But I just felt like there was at least someone that needed to hear that today. What you need, do it for someone else. So thanks for being here today. I am excited to hear the testimonies and reports about what God is going to do this month. Um, I think he's going to wreck our lives in some great ways, and I think he is going to bless some people in our community, in your workplace, and uh, I just can't wait to hear the reports. I'm going to hear them, probably not from you because you have to do it anonymously, but I'm going to hear them, and uh, that's going to be great. So don't forget to stop by the table out in the lobby, if you would, before you leave. A lot of information out there. The offering baskets are out there, our global outreach offering this week, and uh, the tithes and offerings as well. So God bless you as you go. Thanks for being here today.